Hey folks, uh, we're back here, uh, this time on the ground floor of the Capitol with Senator Scott Kawasaki. Yes, good How afternoon. Doing? How's it going? The this, ground floor is where it all starts. This is That's true, and this is, I think, my first podcast. On, I've done every a podcast on every floor except this one, so this all is right. my first one. Oh, good, good. The, the fourth floor, I tell folks, is where it's happening. Well... That's the action floor. That's that's a pretty active floor. Yeah. Were, you, were you ever on the fourth floor? I was on the fourth floor for, for six, eight years, I was on the fourth floor. Right in the little part that we uh, refer to as the ghetto, where everybody's sandwiched in tight. Yeah, I've, yep. uh, yeah. Small offices, but uh, we generally are, are nice to each other and a lot more jovial on the fourth floor. So with this, now you're a senator. Now you're kind of a pretty nice officer, actually. I kind of kind of like it. Yeah, I lucked out. Lucked out on the office. You know, having served in the house meant that I I got I got. I wasn't the last one to pick an office. Let's just say that. So you were in the house for what 10, 10 years? I was in the house for twelve years. Wow. Started when I was just a kid. So the, you told me we we went to Fairbanks, the landmine. We did a profiled your your race with uh, Senator Kelly, and we did a video deal there. And you were telling us at where was it at Hoodoo at the Hoodoo Hoodoo Bre- Brewery. Yep. It, was, it was nice. September. Center. Yep. Beers outside. Time. Seventy degrees. Fire bonfire in the background. Absolutely. So you were saying when yeah. you first got elected, you came here for like training or orientation right orientation that lasted a couple days prior to the session that's what that's what typically happens here for new legislators and something Uh, happened with a little (laughs) mix-up there right well yeah you know i i I was the youngest member for many many years i was the youngest member coming in at at just after i think i was 31 at the time and uh baseball cap t-shirt came to training um legislators training across the hall or across the uh to the other building and um pam varney said uh, the staff is upstairs in their training room, and uh, you know, I was kind of like, "Well, okay." And uh, neat. The uh, her deputy actually notified her by a whisper. That's the new. That's the new representative. That's the new guy. That's the new kid. So she was a the former legislative affairs director, and she's retired. And she's since so. retired. Yeah. The other thing that I was told not to do, which I I just like to do, is I bring coffee to everybody. But they didn't want me to do that because it made me look like I was a page instead of actually a legislator. So I had to. I've, I've heard even doing that. I've heard this session there was uh, some new folks and they were up at the um, some legislators were in the the what, what do you guys have the lounge or whatever the and, cafe and yeah someone someone was told uh, one of the younger ones I think it was Sarah Rasmussen was like uh, this is for legislators <laughs> she's like yeah I'm. I am one. <laughs> right. Oh, right. oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. It takes a while to get used to everybody. I mean, there's there's 14 new members. A lot of new, yeah. A lot of new faces, a lot of young faces. Um, a lot of folks that had been institutions like uh, Representative Seaton, Representative Guerra, Representative Guttenberg, mm-hmm. um, no longer in the building. Uh, so it's a it's a different time, new I was, legislature. I was hoping to, and I, I, I couldn't really get a wide agreement, but during the whole House uh, disorganization, I was really hoping to do a picture with you, Senator Birch, Senator Reinbold, all with your hands put together, looking up like, thank God we're not in there anymore. We got, it seems like we got out of there just, just in time, right? Just in time. So so you're, so some senators have never been in the House, some have been in the House, you've been in the House 12 years, so do you feel like that gives you a big kind of leg, I mean, you, you know how stuff works here pretty well. Um, you know, it's it's different in the Senate, pretty much the only thing I know that, that I came into knowing because I was in the House is where the restrooms are. I mean, it, it really is a different feel in the Senate than it is in the House, and it's hard to get used to. I tell you, I ran for the Senate twice, and 
being here in the capital for the last few months, if I ever run again, baby, I'm going for the house. Yeah. Because then it's, I mean, I don't, no offense here, it's a little boring. They, these guys get up a little slow. They get up at they get up at six o'clock in the morning. They come and have breakfast. They're done by eight o'clock. They don't go out past I don't know past nine o'clock. I, I would guess. Yeah, you don't see it's true. They're you don't not see, they're not high energy. You don't see a lot. They of, lack high energy. You don't see a lot of senators out at the no. at the bars or at the restaurant. You don't really yeah. see. You're yeah, right. They kind of because like the Senate finance. I mean, they meet at like nine o'clock, but then the subcommittees are like seven thirty, eight o'clock. Right. right. I'm more of like an afternoon guy. That's yeah. that's kind of where I'm. With this stuff, I you guys just got to ease into it, right? Right, you can just go. I, it's it's gotta, been hard to get used to. That's gotta, the that's the hardest part is getting used to the fact that most of the senators are asleep by about nine thirty. You got to prime before you paint. That's right. That's I, right. I got to say that when I when I had the whole speedo gate situation go down, hmm. when I was appointed to the commission on judicial conduct four sure. years ago, and the, the 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 crazy. By the way, comparatively speaking, those speedo picks don't seem like such a big deal uh, <laughs> n- nowadays. Um, but I after the whole thing went down and it was over. And I was off. I got two letters congratulating me from two legislators. One was from Representative Ledoux. One was from you. Right. And I still have right. it. And it was like congratulations right. being appointed. I so happy you're willing to. You know, it was after I was like removed. So, <laughs> so I was like, wow, way to way to put some salt it, in it the got wound. Lost in the mail. I'm sorry, Jeff. Yeah, it's, it I, mean, I got, got it. It, yeah. it got to me. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, you're in the Senate now, and you're in the minority. You were last year in the majority in the House, but you were. Previously in the minority in the House for quite a long time, ten right? years straight. Yeah. So you you've been in the minority. Now you're what's like? How is it in the Senate? You know, it's less people. I have half the amount of people. Half the number of people to deal with uh, is is a blessing. The other thing I think is that most people are very collegial. Uh, we've got four year terms. You don't want to piss off a four year membered term person in the first year, right? It's it's a lot more. Um, how can we work together for the next two years or three years before I start having, before I have to start campaigning? Because in the House, people are already saying right now they're going to run against certain right? folks. I mean, it's already out there. You, you basically have six months uh, this, in the House, and then suddenly you uh, file for office in May, mid-May, for the next election cycle. So it's, it is scrappy in the House. That's what I miss in this. That's what I'm, I've missed so far in the Senate. We just, uh, you know, you vote. You don't debate very much. Uh, things the process is a lot different in the Senate. So let's talk a little bit about your um, recent election. So you, um, you know, you ran against Senator Kelly, who was Senate President, and it was a really high kind of profile. I think two years ago, the Kathy Geisel, Vince Beltrami was the one everybody was sure. kind of watching. This year, you were the one. We did we did the profile on yeah. your race. Um, you know, a lot of folks know you're a really really hard worker, and yeah. in fact, I mean, Representative Bart Lebon, he only won by one vote. That's right. And your in your house district. That was your that's previous right. house district. Yep, that's right. So, you know, did you think going into it and then watching the whole campaign go through, did you feel pretty good about it? Because it's kind of Republican. If I go back and look, sure. it's kind of Republican leaning a little bit, isn't it? Oh, it's a, it's definitely. I mean, Dunleavy won both districts in Fairbanks, um, uh, in District One and District Two, and uh, overwhelmingly, it's. Uh, it's a district one is a more moderate district now. It's it's been moderated over the time that I've served in the House, um, so folks are are more apt uh, to whether they're Democrats or Republicans. There's a lot more independents, and the independents seem to trend to support me. And that's you know that that has more to do with just my general philosophy and really getting out there and talking to people. I knock on doors every year, not just in an election year. Not just when I need their vote, but when I want to inform them of what's going on. What do you, what do you say in the off? You're like, hey, it's me. I'm, what's, what's going on? Here's what's happening. Yeah, most people are just pretty shocked I'm there uh, because most people are just, you know, why are you here? Do, is, didn't we just elect you? 
And I have to say, well, yeah, but you know that. Am I in trouble? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what did what I, I do? What did I do? No, it's it's an important thing up there, and and a lot of Fairbanks, and again, seventy percent of folks in the district are are independent, nonpartisan. They're not a Democrat. They're not a Republican. They they just want to have a good person down here in office, and I. I guess I was elected, so at least 50% plus one think I am. Well, you know, like in, in my case of getting that, that congratu- congratulatory letter, I mean, I think, you know, people know that you're a hardworking guy and, and you're really engaged. And I think people re- remember that kind of stuff, you know, the right. postcard, whatever it might be, you know, just something that they normally wouldn't get from other people who don't really take the time to do that kind of stuff. It, sure. it all helps. Yeah. I mean, we try and go on radio all the time, too. And we've... Uh, and the yeah, Landmine the, Podcast. And the Landmine Podcast Ooh. right now, right? And I just wanted to thank you for putting this information out because we, we have been trying uh, every year. I mean, every for the last couple of years, we've been trying to get back on a radio station that we used to have uh, a weekly broadcast with. Like a, like a Scott Kawasaki radio it, well, station? Well, it actually was Scott Kawasaki and Tammy Wilson. And uh, we would sit there and we'd do point-counterpoint, and it was a great uh, opportunity. Oh, you know, I think I might actually... I remember yeah. here that was a right. while ago, right? That was well, I remember. Yeah. I remember hearing about one of those, or maybe listening to one of those. Yeah. So, for the, so for the last two years, um, the 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 new radio host um, actually was the person I beat in 2012 for the state house. Um, he's been in charge of the station and Who's that? started. Um, his name's Dave Pruse. He's on the city council. Oh, he's the guy who made the. I wrote about him a few weeks ago. Yeah. He made the uh, militant lesbian he, comment he did. about he the hurl scouts. He did. So he's. Um, well, we're not big fans of each other. And um, anyways, we have not been allowed to come on the show. And uh, Pete Kelly would have a show. That's not cool. He'd be on the show every week running up before the election. And I got I got a half hour in his show in the last isn't there years, uh, Isn't that maybe a, like, isn't there kind of like a fairness thing? There's a fairness thing. There's an ethics thing. But like, like, well, there's a person for, who probably just doesn't care about that. For, I mean, for ads, they have to provide equal... Uh, by law, I mean, if somebody's running an ad at a radio station, they have to provide equal, they have equal to access. Provide equal time and equal But I guess for access, for a talk true. show, it's not the same. He had different rules, and the rule was that uh, we just don't have enough time to put you on this week. But we have enough time for Pete Kelly. And I'll just say that we we've uh, since we've uh, been down here, we've um, gotten invited three times, and they've canceled on us three times. Wow! And so, so that's you've, you've even agreed, the worst part. You agreed three times. We've agreed. He agreed three times, and he's contacted us just a little bit before and said, "Oh, you know, we uh, we had to cancel that last time. It was an equipment failure." So. Whatever excuse can come out there is, is an excuse. But I, I just appreciate being able to talk about what's going on down here in Juneau, the important things that are that are, are critical, yeah, my, my, critical my, news. My big thing is, you know, with a lot of the media here, and I understand there's different forms, and the TV's got to be shorter, and even with radio, I mean, radio, they do a story. I mean, I think it's great to do longer form, like we're doing here, yeah, the podcast right. I do, because you can actually ask somebody questions, get real answers, and it's not, you know, taken down from 30 minutes or 20 minutes to like a two minute soundbite or a 30 second soundbite. Sure. Right. So that's why right. I'm, that's why I'm doing these uh, things and, and they're a lot of fun. Yeah. I mean, you really can talk about whatever you want to talk about. So, and sometimes, uh, or whatever you, know, you don't Br- want to Briar Hopkins told me about how he met his, uh, his fiance on Tinder. Really? Yeah. He, he said oh, yeah. it on the podcast. It was a very high energy podcast. Wow. And then Colleen <laughs> Sullivan Leonard, Representative Colleen Sullivan Leonard, I did one with her, and we were talking. She about, met her husband on Tinder. No, no, no. He Grier, No, she met her husband on a blind date. Whoa. She was telling me about that. Okay. So okay. you know, we we go we go wherever we want to go with these things. All right. This All is right. just kind of uh, landmine radio. It's a uh, high energy. It is high. No energy. filter. And just for the record, not on Tinder. No, I've not seen you. Well, I wouldn't see you. I guess. Why? Yeah, why would you see me and, on Tinder? And I and I, and I deleted. <laughs> you the, almost said it. And I. <laughs> that'd be grinder, I think. But. <laughs> and I deleted the app recently. Uh, while back, just kind of 
moved on from that. Let's just um, let's go to the next topic. <laughs> uh, so wait, so you're you're a four year seat, yeah. But redistricting is going to happen next year, which will affect the 2022. That's right. Election. So you could you know in four years you could have a dra- you know potentially a drastically different you know district. Totally. I mean that's and that's the fear, not fear, but I guess everybody wonders what their districts are going to look like. It's uh, the Republicans will get to a point. Uh, their choices for the redistricting board, uh, as was done the last time around. Um, the last time around, of course, we found that, that at least part of the plan was unconstitutional. Part of it was Fairbanks, right? And part of it was mostly Fairbanks, and part of it was the district that I represent, and they tried to carve me out. And uh, Did, didn't they, was that the one? Was it that one or the one where? So you have a sister who works in the Capitals right. of Stafford, and they thought because her last name was Kawasaki, so they thought. They must have thought that was your wife, because didn't they draw it around her house? They drew a, basically a block out uh, to put me into a different district. And that block, uh, of course, it was my sister, so it didn't actually make sense in the end, <laughs> oh was referred to as the Kawasaki appendage or the Kawasaki finger. <laughs> the Kawasaki finger. I've heard about the, the appendage Kawasaki. sounds a little dirty, so I, 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 they with, both, I, I like the finger They better. could both be uh, construed as whatever, but yeah, I've heard, right. I've heard about the Kawasaki finger. Yes. It goes out. Yeah, yeah. I've seen the map. The, the appendage. It, yeah. So did it that, did look like an appendage. Did though, that get thrown say. out? Uh, yeah. So that one got thrown out um, and they had to recycle a plan. I bet, I bet somebody was like, went what? to the courts and the court said, you know, this is this is just obviously a clear violation. And so um, the folks that had sued prevailed and it came back and and then they got to redraw, redraw it again. Yeah, you're not one of their meetings. Somebody was like, what idiot picked the wrong house? <laughs> Right. What have you done? What have you done? <laughs> Who is this? What is happening? <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I was, you know, uh, previously in Kevin, Senator Myers at the time, Senate district before redistricting. And I got moved into a different, I ended up having Senator McGuire. Yeah. And I only, you know, Representative Tuck was my, he is still my rep, but he only retained um, about half of his old district. Right. So and right. it's a pretty drastic difference. It, in, you know, it's it's where politics is going. If you can stack the deck so that one party or another prevails, and it's, it's Republicans in, this, in the last several decades. It's Republicans that have redistricted, created the deck, and made it well, and the term, nearly impossible the, the for, term for Jerry, a Democrat to win. Gerrymandering, you know, is so, such an old term. It's been going on for a long time. But you, there's, there's um, new proposals that have been talked about where you can do it through an algorithm. A computer can, can you can input all the variables, right. and the computer can print out, spit out a uh, you know, very nonpartisan um, map. Sure. And a lot of people don't seem, don't seem to want to do that for, I mean, variety of reasons, but I think they want people want to control it. And, and part of it's self-preservation. There's members that would ordinarily not be able to win their districts that want to make sure that and, they and, can win their districts. And I was just reading about the last census, uh, or no, I was hearing in a committee meeting about this, where they said they, they undercounted rural populations by 7 or 8%. Yeah. So you you lose you know people even though there's more folks living there, and I mean this the the census is the big thing we they go off right for the right. redistricting right and the census is it's such an important thing coming up because we base a lot of our budget on census counts and where people live, uh, we base our legislature on uh, and the legislative lines on where people live and how many people are there so it's, it's it's incredibly important and I think right now this administration has chosen to generally ignore that. Well, I was just but, reading that in the past they would send you a letter beforehand and say, "Hey, census is coming up. Some, expect right. to see somebody." And this time they have, um, I guess, foregone the letter. So now you're just going to get a knock. Where I think people are maybe more willing to say, "Oh, I got the letter. Okay, I, I know right. who you are," opposed to like, "Who who are you? I don't I didn't know you were coming here." Right. It's 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 you know like I said it's it's pretty scary coming up. 
you know, this administration is really an interesting administration. Um, you know, it, it's uh, it, it gave us a budget that's probably unconstitutional. And I'll just clarify definitely the, immoral. I'll, I'll clarify the census was Trump administration. Okay, well, um, right, just, but but this the state does have an opportunity to um, help the census and help uh, help make sure the census is done right in the state. Um, other other communities or other states have uh, complete count committees. A complete count committee is is basically exactly how it sounds. It's just to make sure that every individual is counted. We want to make sure every Alaskan is counted. This administration uh, actually disbanded their complete count committee uh, and has not reinstated it. We have so many challenges with the rule, you know, parts of our state where, mm-hmm. you know, if you're looking at a state like, you know, New Jersey or, I mean, it's a lot more easy to get around. Sure. And, you know, but more people, but easier to count. Easier to count. Uh, yeah. Lots more people. And, and uh, of course, you can't knock on every door in Alaska. You can't fly from village to village and knock on every door. Yeah, so that that starts. So the board gets appointed, I guess, next year, right, or this year. Uh, the board gets appointed this next year, and then they'll have a plan proposed to us in in two years, and then that's when pandemonium starts, right? Speaker Cause, Speaker cause, uh, Edgman gets one. Yeah, maybe he can throw me on there. Oh, Ooh, that would be yeah. really really kind of bring up the energy on that. Will you be wearing the speedo? I will definitely be doing that. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's a, is it a confirmed deal or no? Uh. I think no, that's not I, confirmed. I so. Yeah, so yeah. great. That sounds like a perfect job for me. I, I definitely think you know some of the boards are not confirmed. A little, a little easier, a, easier path. Easier pathway. You don't have to worry about speedos. Yeah, well, but you don't get to wear robes either. I think you know. I was just reading about you know the sergeant at arms in the House and the Senate. Yeah. So some sergeant char, sergeants at arms in some states or countries they have like a big mace. They they carry around and then and then some in like really cool places have like machine guns. Oh, we have guns, but like a machine like an AK forty seven. Oh, we don't have. Well, I, I think we should, we've got something behind that desk. I think we should arm the sergeant arms with a with a legit machine gun. That would be you know just for looks. Like that's what they do in like I think Tajikistan or maybe Ukraine. Be a little distracting, I think. <laughs> maybe <laughs> make the me- members of the public a little nervous. Right. right. So okay, let's talk about um, the big one here: the budget. The governor's proposed budget, and that's getting all the attention. And then also, there's some other stuff happening with you know permanent fund dividend, and then you know the ferry and the different different, uh, right. different different things happening. So tell me kind of what you think about this budget. And well, the, the budget's a joke. The governor, ooh, ooh, the governor, the governor like introduced this thing, and and it, it has sown fear and uncertainty and anxiety amongst all of our Alaskans. And instead of bringing us together like a good governor should. He's basically divided us all out. Now he's this, recently, is, this is the Trump of the North right here. Recently, this is, he said Dunleavy's the Trump of the North. Yeah, I've 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 heard that. Recently, he said uh, he's kind of looking to the legislature. You were in the Finance Committee for a long time That's in the right. House, right? That's so right. you you know about the budget. Um, I mean, is this kind of do you do you think he did this big drastic cut um, as a way to like as some people say start the conversation, or do you think it's a way to say, well, folks, if you want this big dividend, I promise, then. Here's what we have to do to get that. I, I know there's people that give him credit for what, quote, starting this conversation. But that's not the way a person should lead. A person shouldn't lead um, making people fear our future. A person should lead, a governor should lead bringing out the best of us, bringing us all together as a group, bringing us all together as Alaskans. How are we going to face our difficulties in the future? That's the kind of governor that I would like to see uh, out of this administration. I haven't even seen the guy yet. 
um, to tell you the truth. You didn't have one of those meetings? I, I haven't had, oh, I had it, it was on, because I was in Fairbanks, we, we did it uh, online, so I, he couldn't ask me if I had my phone on or not, but of course I yeah, did. Yeah, no, that, that's, what that's what they've been saying, is you have to turn your phone in the basket. Yeah, well, yeah, I had my phone on. <laughs> I wouldn't give my, I mean, I'm not doing that. I'm like, not giving my phone I don't phone want somebody on. going through my phone, I got stuff on my phone that's, you know, I got like my, my notes on there. and you got thing, Speedo pictures? Lots of those. Yeah. Lots of those. Right. And maybe, maybe they want to, maybe they want to take them. They could have them. They're on the, they're on Facebook. Yeah, they're, too, so yeah, they're all over the place. <laughs> not exactly <laughs> state secret. No, no, no secrets. So there's there's the but I mean, so there's that part, and then there's also the the permanent fund divot. I think you've taken a position. You're you're kind of a PF full, full PFD guy, right? I, I support the PFD, you know, and I and I think cuts to the permanent fund dividend have really hurt disproportionately people on fixed income, seniors, children, folks in rural Alaska. I mean, just name the list. Um, the folks that that. Uh, are wealthy, the wealthiest people, the corporations like Big Oil, those guys have not taken, have not supported government as they should. Um, that's where we need to start. Not with, not with, you know, a, a PFD for a kid that's trying to save up for college. So, so, so if we do the full PFD, there's obviously, if you don't use the permanent fund earnings to make up the deficit, you have to find it somewhere else. So what's, what's your, you're saying, Oil taxes or... And you know, when I started, and you mentioned I'd been here for a long time, when I started, the n- number of oil and, da- and gas tax credits in dollars was zero. That's how much how many oil and gas tax credits went out the door when I started. This, ne- this next year anticipated $1.6 billion in oil and gas tax credits or deductions. That's well, either well, cash or deductions. Well, most of, most of the... I mean, because they got rid of the exploration credits that were the cash, actually, sure. the real cash. We still owe them. We still owe we about got, a, a billion, right. which uh, there was the bill from Governor Walker that's now in the courts about yeah. issuing bonds. But the, the current... And, and this is, imp- I think, important. They, they're, they're talked about as credits, but most of the current, what's happening now, not... Not, go, not in the past, but going forward, they're actually de- net deductions. Right, that's what I said. They are deductions. Because some people, I think, are, are understanding that the way people are saying it is like, oh, it's cash out the door, right. when it's a deduction from the net tax that we have. That's right, kind it's, of, it's, it, ba- it basically means they just pay less. They, they, give the, they support the state less. And that's the tune of $1.6 billion. That's a problem for me, because we weren't doing that 10 years ago. We were, we were not allowing them to be able to deduct so much of their profits. Um, ConocoPhillips just reported its annual profit last year, $1.8 billion in the state of Alaska. That's what they made in profit after everything was paid out. Um, that's a lot of money. And I know that I'm not against profit. I want, I want companies to profit. I want people to be able to profit. Um, but there is something about greed, and, uh, and uh, that is in the Bible. And, and, you know, we are basically giving our money and giving our resource up to the uh, to the folks that have the most, while at the same time, uh, you know, the legislature in the past has cut the uh, permanent fund dividend to the folks. Again, the poorest people are the ones impacted by the PFD cut. So I guess with with me and and I guess my concern has always been with the oil taxes is is over the last thirty years or more we've we've changed it almost to the you know on the mark every seven or eight years. There's a there was ELF, right? there was the PPT, there was, there was ACES, there's this SP21. So it just seems to always change. And to me, I think the, you know, the, the tax rate is one thing, but then the uncertain, the certainty or uncertainty, you know, like in Norway, I've had people in the oil industry tell me that, you know, it, the taxes are higher there, but they, they know what they're getting because it doesn't change. I mean, it's been the same thing for, for many, many years. Hey, I, I didn't vote to change oil taxes in Senate Bill 21. <laughs> I wanted ACES to prevail and 
And uh, but the but the energy companies, the oil companies, didn't. They're did you, the ones did, that did, wanted to change. At the time, did you think that because of the super high oil prices that they didn't anticipate the hundred and forty dollar oil when there was that super high high take at the the top end? Um, did you think the progressivity was? I mean, a lot of folks were talking about just the progressivity aspect of it at the time. Where well, they, they changed the entire bill under Senate Bill Twenty One, right, but, 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 but I'll but, say under progressivity, when our barrel of oil is worth more. Uh, that is a windfall. That's a windfall profit. The companies were making more. The state of Alaska should also benefit from that barrel of oil, because it's our barrel of oil. It's it's got a value to it. It changes based on the commodity prices across the country, across the world. And uh, yeah, Alaskans should deserve a higher amount when oil prices are higher. Absolutely. I think the concern from some was it was un- unforeseen that high, 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 one hundred and fifty dollar price, and and the, I forget the percent, but the wind. I mean, the windfall to the state was huge at the high margin at the top end um that was a big discussion was a progressivity but then they sure. just did a whole new bill then they did a whole new bill and and uh, very, again, that, that wasn't initiated by the legislature that was initiated by oil industry very interesting that that passed 11 to 9 in the senate yeah and, um yeah. that was it was slim yeah i mean it I, was slim I, I was always said if i was in the senate i would have i would have used that vote man that could have you could have got a lot of you know basically the time spending reductions because that wasn't back when the budget was seven plus billion dollars. It was you know, a lot bigger than it is now. Right, right. Well, it, you know, the other thing about, just to point out about the windfall is we, that oil has been able, to, we've been able to put money into our budget. We've been able to put money into the economy and we were able to save. Uh, we saved at, a, at the highest point, $18 billion was set aside. That's the only reason why we're here today. Um, yeah, no, that... Those... Because, I mean, we've had a couple bad years and if we didn't have those savings, um, you know, then what would happen? Yeah, no, that's true. I mean, the, especially when the price of oil, when Walker took over, it went from 100 to 20, I think 26 was the low point. Right. Which is just, I mean, can you imagine if that happened right now? I mean, with yeah. not not that cushion. I mean, the savings, what's the savings account down to, the CBR? Uh, about $2 billion left, and that's just enough for cash flow issues. So, the, you know, the C, there is going to be a move to, to tap the CBR. Um, it, takes, uh, it takes a three-quarter vote. Uh, I'm not sure if we're going to get there. So, you know, based on your time here in the Senate and then being in the House for a long time, what what do you foresee happening with the the budget? I mean, this legislature has to do, they have to, both House and Senate finance committees produce their own budgets, right? Yes. And I, and I think we're going to have some sort of a hybrid like that. It's going to be the governor's bill, but it's going to be the legislature's budget. And we've heard from folks, we've heard from teachers that are worried about the future for their children. We've heard about folks that want to leave the state, um, thus, I mean, really har- harming the economy. We've heard about the cuts, of course, to the marine highway system down here. If I lived in Wrangell or Petersburg and didn't think I was going to have a ferry come October 12th, uh, I'd be I'd be scrambling to try and figure out what to do next. I wouldn't be investing in that community, and I wouldn't be starting a business not knowing yeah, it's, it's... with that uncertainty. So uh, we're going to have a budget here real soon that folks can say, um, that makes more sense. It's interesting if you look at you know the cuts, proposed cuts to education or, or healthcare, the tr- ferry system. I mean, I think uh, when it comes to education and, and the ferry system, I mean, there's definitely improvements to be made on on outcomes, and I think that, you know efficiencies. There's definitely things that can happen that can, you know, nobody's arguing we can't do better in some in some of those places. But I don't think cutting the budget is the way to make them better. Right. You know, I mean, making them better requires just fundamental system systemic changes. Right. But just going like, oh well, you know. Here's but, a thirty, you know, percent cut. Could, you know, deal with it. And, and you know, beyond the cuts, I mean, just the lack of state support for for some an institution like the university. What well, he's proposing to cut one hundred and forty million dollars all in one year of state support, but he said 
university, you find the $140 million somewhere else. You can find it in efficiencies or somewhere else. In the order of magnitude, the, the total amount, uh, the, the, that, that $140 million cut to the university in one year uh, is larger than all of the previous years combined. They've already had a $50 million cut uh, to the university at a time when we should be doing research and exploration. Yeah, I mean, you, and, have, uh, and, you have UAF in your district, right? And UAF's just outside of the district, but a lot of students and a lot of faculty folks <clears throat> live in the district and, and work in the district. So, I mean, we got here, we're more than 45 days in. We're probably, how many days? 55, we're, six? I think we're at 59. So, so we only have 31 days left. So very, I mean, everybody's basically saying very unlikely uh, they're going to go to 90. So they can go to... You guys can go to 121 without any kind of calling a special session, right? That's right. And we've already been told the the uh, the president, President Giesel, has already said that we're going to have Easter, Good Friday off. So that's April 19th, I think. Yeah, I did, I did a podcast. So that's well past the, the 100. I did a podcast days. with Senator Giesel a few weeks back, and she basically said, yeah, I mean, we're not going. It's going to be more than 90. Right. It might, might be less than 121, but right. more than 90. And we started off, uh, you know, the House had to organize and had to figure out its leadership structure and things like that. That's not really an excuse, but it, it, it does. Well, it took 30 days. It does, right. It does have, a, yeah, that does take a while. So so I've heard some different things here. The I think it was part of the HB 44. The, is it the per diem deal where if you don't pass a right. budget, right. you don't get per diem? So I actually have a request in, and it's still actually um, unclear. What I heard was, Okay, so you don't pass the budget in 121 days, you don't get per diem. What I heard someone say is when you do pass the budget, whether it's 150 or 170 or 190, then the legislators might get the back per diem pay. Right. right. Which it's I guess there's like unclear about that if that would that seems to me kind of to defeat the per, defeat the purpose. Right. If that's it, if that's going to happen, I'm just and unclear. I don't know. I, I mean many people had a different idea of what House Bill 44 would be in the end. I introduced legislation to basically that same legislation four, four years earlier. And, it looked, and the, the idea House was... Bill, House Bill 44 is the you, ethics bill. So. And, and Yeah, it's the ethics bill that basically... And part of the ethics bill is you pass the budget, and if you don't pass the budget by that day, you don't get per diem in, in excess. And, and the idea was exactly that. People would actually get done on time. And uh, I don't know that this bill actually does the same thing that, that my bill did. Uh, four years so ago. You, you, you were here they're, they're in the epic 200 plus day deal yeah. right that oh, yeah. was 2017 right 2017 I mean it was 156 and 158 and then 221 in, two, in 2017 and of course during an election year nobody wants to be here so we actually ended pretty much on time last year mm-hmm. yeah I've always thought you know I, the way the pay works it's like 50,000 and there's some per diem and stuff but you know for for, th- for 90 days Maybe that would be a way for someone to actually take nine, you know, 90 days off a job, but it seems like every year they go over 90. So I think it's really hard for the average person with a you know with a j- income or with a family to actually sure. take the job and, and run and you know it is campaigning yeah. and, and going through all the moving back and forth. Right, and, and it is, and, and and you can see it play out and how how it manifests itself is that a lot of folks that are in the legislature are independently wealthy, or they're retired, um, or they're so, a, or they're a lawyer. Or they're a lawyer. Yeah. <laughs> a lot I of lawyers. There's, there's that. Yeah. There's definitely that. You know, somebody that can make their own hours. But if you're a school teacher, there's no chance of doing it. If you're a university faculty, no chance of doing it. I mean, I think that. there's like Sarah Hannon, Representative Hannon was a retired, is a retired school teacher, right? Uh, yes, but, she is. But, she but, just yeah, retired a couple of years ago. You're, you're right. I mean, most most jobs, most people working most jobs could not be, and it's supposed to be quote unquote a citizen legislature. Right. I don't know if you how you feel about this, but I've always, for a while, I've said, I think we should pay legislators $150,000 and they can have no other jobs while they're doing it. And after they're done, they have to wait six months to get, you know, a job. 
in certain industries. I think we have to wait a, a year now. We have to wait one year. To, I think to lobby. To lobby or or to work in the administration. But, but you can get like a regular you know job in the private sector. Right, absolutely. So I'd say, you know, if you got paid more or whatever, you'd wait six months or something to get a certain job in a certain industry. But I don't know, at least with that, you know, you could you could probably attract more people who wouldn't normally want to be able to do it because of their job and their family. Right. 150 well, is pretty pretty good, you know. Yeah. yeah, that's fine. That, yeah, that works. But, you know. <laughs> See, it, we agree. There you go. We'll do it. We'll, we'll do it, right. Introduce a bill. Yeah, no, I don't think that's going to happen this year. Even, you know, I mean, here's the thing. I started when the pay was only $24,000 a year. That's right. Yeah, they because then it was right. it was twenty four. Then you had to like send in timesheets or something. You had right? to send in your timesheet if you were going to spend time uh, during the interim outside of the legislative session, and they'd pay you a per day rate of like a hundred dollars. Um, so if you had meetings and constituent meeting, or if you had meetings with um, other vol- uh, other constituents that came in to talk to your, talk to me about legislation in the future, um, that would uh, that would be compensated. At, at about a hundred bucks a day. It seems so cumbersome of keeping track of all that and sending in. It was, I, I never, I never did. It was, uh, I mean, I, I was a person that had another job too, that being working at the hospital in administration. And, um, so I, I was fine. You know, I don't think the compensation was really the issue. Um, really what it is, is the time. It's the extra time that you're down here and the unpredictability. I mean, you don't know if you're going to have May off or if you're going to be able to go to you know, a family wedding in June or... Or the, the cruise. So I think we talked about... Maybe uh, we talked about a cruise. We want to go with Representative Tuck. Maybe yep. we'll bring these guys along. Yeah. We're, we we, we, we want to do a dive cruise, like a like a low bar, like a very... Like, yeah, totally safe, low end. Nobody, nobody will laugh at your Speedo. Right. No, if we go to the Mediterranean, they, yeah. if if you're not wearing a Speedo, that's the problem. Yeah, that, that'd be my problem. I want to go on like a dive cruise, like like, like bad safety, you know, like something, right. something just, something just right. really something special that you're totally. going to remember. Like really, yeah, just all risky. I love it. Uh, I mean, that, yeah. that's we can yeah. we can do, do like maybe like a some some cruise and you know certain parts of like a where maybe like the Black Sea. You Ooh, know? yeah, do like a Ukrainian cruise or something. Got to watch out for pirates. Russia, yeah, no, I think those are probably more like off Africa, off the what's it called Djibouti over there. You know the <laughs> something Gulf, like Gulf of Aden. That's a place Djibouti. Oh, yeah, that's a, that's yeah, a yeah. Place. No, no, I know. I did. Yeah, that'd be kind of fun to go on like a. Like a cruise on like a cargo ship, a cargo ship like through the like you know the Gulf of Aden or the one of those cool maybe pirate, I'll, t- I'll tell you pirate where, zones where you don't want to cruise right now is in Alaskan waters. If they repeal the Ocean Ranger program, which you were at that I was here that yep, yesterday that's a Senate Resources Committee. I, you know I don't know what the governor's thinking on this is. So what do uh, the Rangers do? Just so listeners they. They basically hang out on the cruise ships and they make sure they aren't polluting, right? They make sure they're not polluting, that it's our onboard observers, which are called Ocean Rangers. It was in the statute that passed. Um, It was an initiative, in fact, and the voters voted on it. And, uh, you know, I know it was brought up several times that, well, the voters narrowly approved it. The cruise ship industry spent $1.5 billion or million dollars on that, on the advertising campaign. And the the people who were supporting... uh, a cruise ship head tax and monitoring and environmental monitoring spent $8,000. Wow. Really? $8,000 is, so it was overwhelming, you know, that, that, uh, you know, this, this monster, uh, corporation type attack in Alaskan waters was, it was phenomenal. As far as I understand the the rate, the ranger program is paid for by a portion of the head tax. The state doesn't pay for it. The state doesn't pay for it. So the governor's not actually saving any money. He's just reducing the amount of support for environmental compliances. And I'll tell you, you know, 
I think, you know, the, the cruise ship industry is a huge donor to, to campaigns. Um, they're a huge donor to people like, like the governor and the governor's people. And I, you know, I just have to say that, you know, we've seen all these bills come through. We've seen privatization of API to a person who is uniquely tied to that company. Yeah. Uh, the budget director, the budget director, the OMB director. Uh, we've seen other pieces of legislation. This piece of legislation for, for basically reducing the the head tax on visitors coming up on the cruise ship, reducing that. Um, uh, you know, coming from the governor and and cruise ship supporters. Well, I think it's interesting that you know the legislature deals with all this stuff, and you saw the calls yesterday, and then the, the mm-hmm. calls during the house stuff on the ferry system. It'll be interesting to see kind of what the budget that comes out of this branch of the government looks like and or it'll, may, may, guaranteed it'll be it'll be there are going to be cuts there's there's not a way you can sustain the budget that we have today um, with the amount of revenue coming in uh, so we get that i think everybody understands that but reducing support for senior benefits to the you know senior benefits the people who are are pioneering seniors who really they they, they need the money the most there's, it's not wealthy people that get the hundred dollar benefit from the state every month it's the people who barely make it by that are, um, you know, that are eating at the soup kitchen, the, the folks that don't have a home. Uh, that's, you know, that's really problematic. And again, like I said, this budget, not only is it, I believe, unconstitutional and, and silly, it's, it's, it's immoral. And I can't believe that this governor, uh, who says that he values um, the Bible, uh, would put forth this budget that is so damaging to the people who are the most vulnerable. Yeah, I think you know it's it shocked. I mean, people were kind of expecting something something drastic, and, and boo. I guess the good part is that the House organized right after it came out. That's right. That's right. <laughs> the well, silver you know, lining. You know, I mean, the the governor's basically uh, the governor on the third floor basically acted like bullies in this process. And when bullies bully, uh, a lot of people can get together and they can force that down. Well, you know, and I, that's why the organization happened, is because they saw him as a bully, they saw this proposal as being um, a way to bully people, and I, they're not going to have it. You know, I, I did a podcast with Senator Machiki there uh, last week, and the one thing I noticed maybe um, that stuck out to me was during one of the Senate Finance Committee meetings, um, he had, Senator Machiki had asked Donna Arduin, the budget director, about the proposal to reduce the property tax or to eliminate the property tax collection for municipalities. Right. Dorsal Borough is a big one, you know, Valdez, but... The Kenai Peninsula Borough also um, is affected. He was saying that there's programs that they have to ma- they're mandated to do, um, like to monitor the oil in- industry, and if there's mm-hmm. a spill, they have to basically have it on standby to be able to clean it up. And he was saying, you know, you're, we've cut our budget over the years. We've done very well to be responsible. If if this happens, you know, how are we gonna how are we gonna you know make up for? It? We're gonna have to raise revenues. And her answer was, it was incredible. She says, well, we're not really responsible for what happens on the local level that's right. not really our business that's what they've said all I mean, along. that's just incredible i mean to me right. that's just an incredible answer right that how would you take so much money and then say well right. that's not my you know not my problem right i mean and the same thing um, has been happening with school districts or school districts you know my municipality of fairbanks is impacted also by that property tax and that's exactly the same you answer guys collect she from the, the pipeline right because the pipeline goes right through the quarter uh right through fairbanks yeah, and she have, gave us the same answer. She said, well, that's not really up to us. That's local government. I'm like, you're taking millions and millions of dollars out of local government for state government purposes. So it's not even a cut. I mean, it's basically just taking money away that, that, from that, local government. That's like closing a road, you know, that goes through somebody's property with an easement saying, you know what? It's my property. You know, what, how <laughs> right. do I get through? Not my problem. You know? yeah. <laughs> not, right. Nothing to do with that. Right. 
well, again, you know, this guy, I mean, this legis- this governor's office, this third floor, is really the bully in the building. Um, but we're we're willing, and I and I say this about every my colleagues on both sides of the aisle, Democrats, Republicans in the House and the Senate, we're ready to stand up against this bully, and it's going to be, uh, it's going to be a, it's going to be a challenge. Of course, you know, it's hard to get sixty members to agree on something, but just like you said, looking at the House, how they organized very quickly right after the governor dropped the his next budget, day. Yeah. Uh, things can happen, and I and I you know I'm going across the state visiting with different folks, going to these town hall meetings, and, and everybody's really on the same page, um, generally on the same page. And we have now a common threat, and the common threat is the third floor, and the solution is having a strong legislative branch. Well, Senator Kawasaki, we've been 40 minutes here. Normally I do 30, oh. but you're you're a good podcaster. Oh, we're high energy, right? We're very high energy, yeah. yeah we're very we, high we, uh, energy. And it, it didn't even take the uh, We didn't even special... have any of this vodka that was given was... to me. It's a, it's a Russian vodka that somebody gave me yeah. as a... I guess we'll have to do it later. Well, yeah, it's only two o'clock in the afternoon. Oh my God, look at how many t- how many ties? I just noticed how many ties do you have over there? I got a tie for every day of session. Jesus, plus a couple extended days. Only a couple. Today. A lot of ties. Jeez, <laughs> are those uh, what, what kind of tie? Are those what, those kind of Nordstrom's type ties, or what are we, do- what are we no, dealing with here? They're because they're definitely are, not. If those and are some no, of the ties, no Trump ties. Yeah, Trump. Are those you sure? Absolutely, a hundred percent sure. Those are no some Trump the, ties. If those are some of the ties that I buy, I mean, we're looking at a. Pretty big investment there because it's a it's some, a here's the thing people come to my office they need a tie they take a tie they have a tie that's extra they leave it oh, so oh. there's this is like the this is like the uh, ex- tie exchange I don't come wear on tie, over anytime I don't wear ties super often but I, I do have ties but every six months maybe I'll buy a nice tie I'll buy like hundred fifty two hundred dollar tie I've never bought a you know? hundred fifty dollar tie well the thing is with a, a, like anything else if you buy a nice tie or a nice suit you you really take care of it uh-huh. if you buy a you know a cheap pair of sunglasses like i have my nice my my gucci my big gucci hangover glasses those those aren't cheap but i I don't lose them right i buy a ten dollar pair of glasses i might just lose them so over time it will be the same price i guess yeah that's one way to look at it don't want to spill any food on that tie either no well senator kawasaki definitely don't mince words and i really enjoyed the high energy of the podcast and the uh you bet the the real talk and we'll have to do one again definitely maybe after the budget forward to it gets uh gets decided okay and then we'll look at that maybe we'll do one from the cruise Oh yeah, the cruise. We're gonna that would be okay. a fun podcast. All right. You find out what cruise we're from going the on. Gulf of Aden. All right, with Senator Kawasaki. All right, Senator Kawasaki. Appreciate the podcast, and um, we'll do it again. And folks, if you have an idea for a podcast or want to do a podcast with me, get a hold of me, and we'll talk to you next time. Landline.